0: Welcome to another episode of the Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished lawyer and attorney from Arizona, USA, attorney Lisa Hester. Lisa, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Uh, Lisa is the founder of the Metropolitan Law Group. And she's an author. She's a co-author of a book titled Asset Protection Statutes. So Lisa, before we start talking about the Metropolitan Law Group, tell me a little bit about your journey uh, in becoming an estate planning attorney.
1: Yeah, you know, it's so funny. So many people ask me, why did I choose estate planning? Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, I didn't choose it, it actually chose me. Okay. So I was a collections litigator, meaning mm-hmm. I worked for creditors, and I obtained judgments on behalf of my clients. And mm-hmm. then I really became an expert in discovering how to attach liens to the to those assets of the debtors. Mm-hmm. And I was really burned out, very, very burned out. Um, wasn't sure which direction I saw my career going. And then I uh, had a couple of really impactful events occur in my life that really sort of changed the direction of my law practice. Mm-hmm. And I lost both my brother and my best friend oh, um, my who were in their mid thirties and who, you know, didn't see it coming. No one did. It was very unexpected. And um, in helping both of those families kind of work through the probate system, what happens when someone Mm. dies without an estate plan, I I understood what I was put on this earth to do. Mm. And um, realized, you know, even though I was in court every day as a litigator, that journey is really, really tough. It's Mm. very, very tough to navigate. And so with that, I just sort of um, changed the trajectory of my practice from going after assets to protecting assets Mm. and helping families plan in the event that something happens to one of their loved
0: ones. How amazing. Thank you. And what, in your view, are some of the common misconceptions about estate planning? And at what stage should one start the planning?
1: Yeah, that's a great, great question, because there are so many misconceptions, and I blame the media for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you've you heard things about these celebrities, Prince, for example. Uh, you know, if Prince had a will, we wouldn't have seen all this litigation. Um, and that's just simply not true. Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest misconception is that a will will allow you to pass assets really easily. And in fact, that is not the case at all a will and a trust they're used interchangeably and they're two very different tools that mm-hmm. can be used in estate planning. Right. A will is something that sets forth sort of um where you'd like to see all your assets go and how your family will be provided for should something should should you pass away. Mm-hmm. But it's actually a blueprint for a court and most people don't realize that. So if you die with just a will in place your estate will have to go through the probate court process. Mm. A trust, on the other hand, is something that is entirely private. And a trust allows you to do the same thing. You can set forth your intentions for your assets and your loved ones, but it keeps the court out entirely. And so it's certainly the more preferred estate planning tool. I would say that is the biggest misconception. And a good time to start estate planning, it's never too early. You know, I would say if you're an adult, if you're looking at getting married, mm. if you have any dependence, you're becoming a parent, if you're starting a business, and certainly if you have real estate interests, any mm. real estate interests at all, those are all probatable situations, as mm. we put it. So those could all take you to probate court, should you die and not have an estate plan in place.
0: Mm. Amazing. And what are the risks of not having an estate plan?
1: Yeah, and I think I touched on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the biggest risk is 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 going through probate. And what that's that's a word that, you know, a lot of people aren't familiar with. Mm. So what that really means is if somebody passes away and they don't have they haven't taken these steps, they haven't mm. done proper estate planning, what they don't realize is their assets are actually frozen. Mm. So, for example, someone will call and they'll say, hey, you know, my husband was the breadwinner in our family. He had all these bank accounts in his name and now he suddenly passed away. What do we do? We mm-hmm. can't access his bank accounts. People somehow believe that because they're married or they have a business relationship, they can access those a- assets. Mm-hmm. And that's not the truth. The truth is those assets get tied up, whether it be real estate, whether it be bank accounts, even life insurance policies mm-hmm. can get tied up if you don't have the proper beneficiary on death or right. payable on death designation.
0: Mm. Wow. I didn't realize this. I mean, you know, laws in the US are something that you need to understand and an expert right. like you can guide people. But right. the other question that I also wanted to ask you, Lisa, was why is avoiding probate court so crucial? For asset protection,
1: I know, I know. There's people believe that it's so simple you can submit an affidavit. That's not at all the case, Um, you know. And in the states, and I understand in Canada as well. I have some colleagues there. um, It can be quite a lengthy process, and by lengthy, I don't mean a few weeks or a few months. Mm. I mean it's very common um, for a case to take an entire year to Mm. get through the probate process. And that, by the way, is when everybody gets along. Mm. Uh, It's also incredibly expensive.
0: Mm. So
1: I get a little pushback from people who are concerned about the cost of doing effective estate planning, particularly when we talk about trusts, Mm. and it can be expensive. Um, But I I always tell people the most expensive estate plan is always not having Mm -hmm. always, because Mm -hmm. the probate process is about 10 times as expensive for your loved ones when they can't access the assets, Mm -hmm. right? Then it would be to just kind of get that trust in place up front.
0: Wow. Wow. And you know, when I was reading about you and preparing for this conversation, it was interesting to see that, you know, you are able to ensure assets are immediately accessible to loved ones after the client's passing. How do you do this?
1: Yeah. And, and again, I kept, keep using the word trust and mm-hmm. the trust is really what allows things to be held privately outside of court and allows things to transfer almost seamlessly at death. Mm-hmm. So where we talk about if you have a will or no estate plan at all, it has to go through that lengthy probate co- process. The court has to get involved in all the decisions mm-hmm. with a trust. None of that happens. We circumvent all of that. And in your trust, you actually have provisions that dictate where things will go and who they will go to. Mm-hmm. And it is quick as obtaining a copy of that death certificate, which we're seeing is about two weeks now, and being able to present that along with the trust and boom, just like that, assets can get transferred. So we're looking at the difference between years, if you don't do any planning, and a matter of a couple weeks, if you have that trust in place. And you've, of course, you have to fund the trust, meaning you have to transfer those assets into the trust.
0: Right. Um,
1: yeah, so, so that's an important aspect as
0: well. Mm, amazing. And my next question is how does estate planning contribute to preserving wealth for future generations?
1: Yeah, so estate planning allows you to ensure you know that you you're, that the people that you love most are provided for should something happen to you. Um, And it goes beyond just getting a life insurance policy. So you Mm -hmm. have to think of a comprehensive plan. And a life insurance policy is one important aspect, Mm -hmm. but also getting that trust in place. And, you know, sometimes we, we talk about high net worth clients who have maybe spoiled children, right, entitled children. And they say to me, Lisa, what can I do to ensure that my children, you know, follow the path that I have in mind for them? they achieve their own goals before they inherit from me. And so that's a great question in that regard, because um, we are allowed to put into place sort of protections to protect loved ones from themselves. So where if you don't do any estate planning, it's possible that a loved one, a a child upon reaching age 18 could immediately access Mm. lots of money, which could derail their future. Right. With a trust, what we can do is we can ensure that they meet certain ages and stages in life where you feel they're at a level where they're mature enough to manage that wealth properly hmm. and we can't do that unless we've got you know that trust in place to protect them
0: hmm. fascinating and there is another aspect you know where you know you're also able to help keep assets and debts private after death yeah. help yeah. me understand the implications of this and how do you do this
1: Yeah, well, this is incredible, too, because what a lot of people don't realize is, again, we go back to that situation where nobody wrote their will, they didn't write their trust, they're in Mm. probate court. One of the things that must happen, it's a requirement by law, Mm. we have to publish publicly all of the assets and the debts of the estate. Mm. And we also have to give notice to any creditors of the estate. So if we know that there's, you know, outstanding debts out there bills that are left unpaid we have to actually give notice Hmm. and then it allows those creditors to come in and bring a a claim which is Hmm. much like litigation against the estate so now you've got your loved ones fighting for the transfer of your wealth to them against your creditors all of this can be avoided if you have a trust in place Hmm. so that's why another another reason why a trust is is you know it's It's a very attractive Uh estate planning tool Uh because it offers those protections that you can't have with a will.
0: There is another aspect of a trust, and I've been speaking to some people for a trust for my own family, uh, and that is that trust is almost like a one-way street. Once you've handed over assets to the trust, you know, you yourself don't have access to your assets. Is that correct?
1: Um, Yes and no. It depends on what type of trust you put in place. And there are various, there's there's countless types of trusts. So the trust that you're referencing is called an irrevocable trust. And Mm -hmm. that is sort of a one-way trust where you actually have to appoint someone else as your trustee to manage Mm -hmm. your assets. And that's a more kind of sophisticated level of asset protection planning Mm -hmm. um, where you are really kind of disassociating yourself with that asset. Hmm. And it creates that extra level of asset protection in the event of, you know, a bankruptcy, a Hmm. judgment, Hmm. any type of litigation that might be, you know, in in the works. Um, But with a revocable living trust, on the other hand, you can continue to manage those assets as the trustee over the course of your life. And it works a lot like a savings account. Mm -hmm. So you can always put assets into the trust in case of a hardship, you want to sell some real estate that's being held by the trust, you can certainly do that. So you can mm-hmm. withdraw from an irrevocable, I'm sorry, a revocable living trust as well.
0: Wow. Okay. That's great input for me also. Thank you. <laughs> sure. So, you know, when I'm planning, I'm going to remember this one particular point that you took. Absolutely. But my next question, Lisa, is that, you know, when we spoke about uh, the public record of assets and debts, can you give me an example of how uh, public record of assets and debts can impact a family?
1: Well, yeah, and I think it kind of goes back to that last question where you're pegging your loved ones against your creditors, hmm. you know, because now there's sort of this this knowledge, this publication, that there are all these assets up for, up for grabs. And so you're avoiding that entirely. So your your family is avoiding litigation if you have that trust agreement in place, hmm. and you don't have to give notice to the creditors.
0: Hmm. Interesting. They, uh, there are also situations, and I'm sure you've come across many, where there are complex family dynamics in place. Um, how does how do you help families to manage the such you know dynamics, and how do you manage? family conflicts in estate planning?
1: Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, Lots of different ways. So, um, you know, we deal with a lot of, uh, let's say, I'll call them blended families, where perhaps it's a second or third marriage, Mm -hmm. and there are children from previous relationships. Um, And so we have to kind of look closely at the dynamic between all of the family members from Mm -hmm. both, both of the families. Um, and we're able to, in cases like that, create separate trust for each spouse to ensure that there's no conflict. So mm-hmm. if we've got children from one relationship who maybe don't even know the children from the other spouse's um, previous relationships, mm-hmm. there can definitely be, you know, uh, you, you can introduce some conflict there when one of them passes, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a community property state, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so we're able to, avoid all of that by creating separate trusts for each of the the spouses. Hmm. Um, Another thing that we are able to do to avoid family conflict is if, if you know, or if you're concerned that there may be, um, I'll call it a a, a opportunity for abuse. And that could, that could be um, some type of lifestyle disability, such as uh, maybe one of your children is contemplating divorce. Maybe they're, uh, looking at a bankruptcy or they're part of a lawsuit, Mm. Uh, maybe there's some issue with drug addiction, gambling, um, alcoholism, and you wanna sort of prevent them from misusing the funds that they inherit. Mm. A trust allows you to do all of that. So you can put sort of this lifestyle disability clause in place and it states that in the event that you pass and one of your loved ones is going through one of those life events, You can um, ensure that we're going to hold off on them receiving that inheritance. It's just going to mm. be held in trust mm. until that lifestyle disability is lifted, mm. and then we don't have to worry about you know mismanagement of the funds or half of their inheritance going to a soon-to-be ex-spouse. Mm. So it's it, that's it's a very nice tool in that regard too.
0: Very interesting. And what happens in a situation where some very wealthy individual passes and his uh, estate has assets, which everyone doesn't seem to know about. Is there possibilities of discovery, or, you know, some sudden surprises or shocks?
1: Um, Yeah, and I would say the biggest shock is that people don't realize that there's kind of a bank of money that's never been claimed. Hmm. We're talking about billions of dollars just in the US. And I think this happens, you know, because people don't do effective estate planning. Mm -hmm. And I, in fact, a a fantastic example of this, and it's not just with the wealthy. I, I get this every day, this phone call in my office where people will call in and they'll say, um, you know, my father passed, and I understand that he's got this Chase bank account, and there's money in there, but I don't know how much money is in there, and I don't know how to get it. Mm. And so we have to tell them we're happy to work with you. You can retain us, and we can ensure that you access those assets, but you don't know what you're dealing with. Mm. There might be two hundred dollars in an account. There might be two hundred thousand dollars in an account. We we just don't know. Mm. And and that's that's the difficult part about um, you know passing away without any plan in place and not having any beneficiary on death payable on death designations because the bank is uh you know they they, they're not at liberty to share that information with you Mm -hmm. until they receive a court order Mm -hmm. so you're guessing do i want to pay you know this amount of money in lawyers fees and court costs to be able to access that money just to Mm -hmm. find out that maybe there's less money in there than what i paid Mm. Attorneys fees and court costs. So it's sort of a gamble. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so a lot of times, if clients feel that maybe there wasn't a lot of money in that account, they just let it go. Mm. And so it goes into this bank of unclaimed assets. Mm. So just I mean, it's fascinating, but but I understand why people do it because it's just yeah. it's not easy to access that money. Mm. And of course, they have to be able to front those fees, mm. you know?
0: That's true. That's true. And what happens if there are suddenly some unknown liabilities? Would that, would that also be passed on to the inheritors or would? Absolutely. Not, that would also... Yes.
1: Unknown inheritors. Absolutely. They pop up all the time. Every day in my practice, somebody mm-hmm. comes out of the woodwork and, you know, they'll produce uh, like a beneficiary on death deed or they'll, 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 they'll be able to produce something that states that the house was supposed to go to them. And so, you know, you have all this in a trust, you avoid all of that. It's mm. just it's so I always tell people, if you want certainty, you need a trust. Mm. <laughs> if well, you're yeah. okay with all of the uncertainties, move forward without a plan or without a will, you mm. know, or or just with a will, other in mm. other words. Mm. but but yes, if you if you don't like uncertainty, you want to make sure you've got a trust in place, mm.
0: but therefore, a little more philosophical question for you. You know, yeah. I remember when when you know my wife and I sit down and talk about wealth. We tell our children who one lives in America, one lives in Singapore, on what our total wealth is. Why is it that families don't want to share within their families of what their wealth is, which, which would you do with with all the surprises and all the complex structures?
1: That's that's the question of the ages, mm-hmm. and I've I have my own family. Mm-hmm. I've I've dealt with this with my own parents. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if it's a cultural thing. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about this in my office because I have lots of employees in sort of the Scottsdale, Arizona area, Mm -hmm. Um, but our first office was in Minneapolis. And in the Midwest, culturally, it's something that's not discussed. It's very taboo to discuss these things. But by not having these conversations with their children, I don't think that people realize that you're not offering much guidance. Yeah. And I, I believe in financial literacy. I believe that every family across the globe should have an understanding. You should be able to know the difference between a will and a trust, the way you mm-hmm. can name every Kardashian. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be a household conversation. It should be taught in high school, yeah. in my opinion. Um, and it's just not. And it's it's too bad. Mm-hmm. We need Thanks. to we need to educate people.
0: Well, I think that's a great point that you've given. Sit down and plan your estate, but do share with your family, everything that you are, you probably own if you would like to, of course. So Lisa, right. I have time for two more questions for you. Sure. What has been your most challenging case in estate planning? Mm-hmm. And how did you resolve it?
1: Um, I had a, uh, and this was years ago, but it's, it's, it's so funny how when you work with someone early on in your career, and then you, you see sort of the the end result how rewarding that can be. Mm. And um, one example of that is I had a couple come into my office. They were in their seventies. They had just retired. They own a big printing business. Mm. And um, they said, we're really straightforward. We just need a will. Mm. I hear this all the time. We just need to hire you to do our wills. And so we went through sort of the line of questioning and I learned that they had this, you know, multimillion dollar business. Mm-hmm. I identified that, you know, in this they lived in Minnesota. In the state of Minnesota, um, you pay estate taxes. At this time, I think it was if you have over two million in assets. Mm-hmm. And so they were up against this big taxation. I'm talking huge. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Um, they also shared with me that they had a son with mental illness. He was an adult. And he, uh, he was creating some issues, some conflict within the family. And he was also receiving some government aid. Mm-hmm. So what what was what was presented to me as we need a simple will was actually a very complex yeah. estate plan that required yeah. business succession planning, it required creating a special needs trust for the son. Mm. And I did see this all the way through and I'm um, now working with the daughter they have since passed, mm. she's taken over the family business because we had everything in line. Um, made oh, sure man. that the yeah. grandson was receiving his money mm-hmm. um, for tuition to go to medical school. And so she's just very grateful. So, so that's one example of how people Amazing. think they're, we're so simple. It's like, yeah. you're not simple at all. <laughs> and ultimately we saved them $600,000. We wow. estimate $600,000 in estate taxes.
0: Wow. Wow. What a fantastic. Which was story. huge. Thank huge. you for sharing this. Thank you. Yeah. And Lisa, my last question to you, what Key advice would you give to someone who wants to start the process of estate planning?
1: Yeah, do your research and work with someone who specializes in estate planning. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing. Estate planning is highly specialized. Mm -hmm. Um, And I see mistakes by practitioners who are sort of door knockers, I call them, but you know, general practitioners who do divorces and bankruptcies and DUIs and, you know, wills on the side. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that can get you into trouble. Um, because if someone doesn't know the ins and the outs of probate court, they don't necessarily know how to prevent probate court occurrence. Um, Mm -hmm. We work with a lot of other lawyers, believe it or not, you know, lawyers who specialize in another area of law, but understand how complex estate planning can be. So my advice would be work with someone who specializes in estate planning, somebody who also has a probate practice Mm -hmm. um, and, and understands exactly how to avoid the probate
0: side of things. Amazing. On that note, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for speaking to me about your own uh, journey to becoming an estate planning attorney. Thank you for talking to me about estate planning in so much detail. I learned many new things from you. (laughs) Thank you for talking to me about probate, about trusts. I'm sure there is an opportunity for me to come back to you for another conversation only on the types of trusts that are possible for so many different people. I mean, it's a whole new world for me and a whole new world for many of our viewers and listeners. Thank you for speaking to me and have a great day and good luck.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom